Chapter 27, verses 51 through 66 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels, collected out of the works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 51 through 56. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and there came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion, and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there, beholding afar off, which following Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. Origin. Great things were done at the moment that Jesus cried with a loud voice. Augustine. The wording sufficiently shows that the veil was rent just when he gave up the ghost. If he had not added, and lo, but had merely said, and the veil of the temple was rent, it would have been uncertain whether Matthew and Mark had not inserted it here out of its place, as they recollected, and Luke had observed the right order, who having said, and the sun was darkened, adds, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Or, on the contrary, Luke had returned to what they had inserted in its place. Origin. It is to understand that there were two veils, one veiling the holy of holies, the other the outer part of the tabernacle or temple. In the passion, then, of our Lord and Savior, it was the outer veil which was rent from the top to the bottom, that by the rending of the veil from the beginning to the end of the world, the mysteries might be published, which had been hid with good reason until the Lord's coming. But when that which is perfect is come, then the second veil also shall be taken away, that we may see the things that are hidden within, to wit the true ark of the testament, and behold the cherubim and the rest of their real nature. Hilary, or the veil of the temple is rent, because from this time the nation was dispersed, and the honor of the veil is taken away with the guardianship of the protecting angel. Leo, the sudden commotion in the elements, is a sufficient sign in witness of his venerable passion. The earth quaked and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. Jerome, it is not doubtful to any what these great signs signify according to the letter, namely that heaven and earth and all things should bear witness to their crucified Lord. Hilary, the earth quaked because it was unequal to contain such a body. The rocks rent for the word of God that pierces all strong and mighty things, and the virtue of the eternal power had penetrated them. The graves were opened, for the bands of death were loosed, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, for illuminating the darkness of death, and shedding light upon the gloom of Hades, he robbed the spirits of death. Chrysostom, when he remained on the cross, they had said tauntingly, He saved others, himself he cannot save. But what he would not do for himself, that he did, and more than that for the bodies of the saints. For if it was a great thing to raise Lazarus after four days, much more was it that they who had long slept should now show themselves alive. This is indeed a proof of the resurrection to come, but that it might not be thought that that which was done 
was an appearance merely, the evangelist adds, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Jerome, as Lazarus rose from the dead, so also did many bodies of the saints rise again to show forth the Lord's resurrection. Notwithstanding that the graves were opened, they did not rise again before the Lord rose, that he might be the firstborn of the resurrection from the dead. The holy city in which they were seen, after they had risen, may be understood to mean either the heavenly Jerusalem or this earthly, which once had been holy. For the city of Jerusalem was called holy on account of the temple and the holy of holies, and to distinguish it from other cities in which idols were worshipped. When it is said, and appeared unto many, it is signified that this was not a general resurrection which all should see, but special, seen only by such as were worthy to see it. Rigmigius. But someone will ask, What became of those who rose again when the Lord rose? We must believe that they rose again to be witnesses of the Lord's resurrection. Some have said that they died again, and were turned to dust, as Lazarus and the rest whom the Lord raised. But we must by no means give credit to these men's sayings, since if they were to die again, it would be a greater torment to them than if they had not risen again. We ought therefore to believe without hesitation that they who rose from the dead at the Lord's resurrection ascended also into heaven together with him. Origin. These same mighty works are still done every day, the veil of the temple is rent for the saints, in order to reveal the things that are contained within. The earth quakes, that is, all flesh, because of the new word and new things of the New Testament. The rocks are rent, i.e. the mystery of the prophets, that we may see the spiritual mysteries hid in their depths. The graves are the bodies of sinful souls, that is, souls dead to God. But when by God's grace these souls have been raised, their bodies, which before were graves, become bodies of saints, and appear to go out of themselves, and follow him who rose again, and walk with him in newness of life. And such are worthy to have their conversation in heaven enter into the holy city at diverse times, and appear unto many who see their good works. Augustine. It is no contradiction here that Matthew says that the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus feared when they saw the earthquake and the things that were done, while Luke says that he wondered at the giving up the ghost with a loud voice. For when Matthew adds the things that were done, he gives full scope of Luke's expression, that he wondered at the Lord's death, for this among the rest was wonderful. Jerome, observe that in the very midst of the offense of his passion, the centurion acknowledges the Son of God, while Arius in the church proclaims him a creature, Rabanus, whence with good reason by the centurion is denoted the faith of the church, which when the veil of heavenly mysteries had been rent by the Lord's death, immediately asserts Jesus to be both very man and truly son of God, while the synagogue held its peace. Leo, from this example then of the centurion, let the substance of the earth tremble in the punishment of its Redeemer, let the rocks of unbelieving minds be rent, and those who were pent up in these sepulchres of mortality leap forth, bursting the bonds that would detain them. 
and let them show themselves in the holy city, i.e. the church of God, as signs of the resurrection to come, and thus let that take place in the heart, which we must believe takes place in the body. Jerome. It was a Jewish custom, and held no disgrace, according to the manners of the people of old, for women to minister of their substance, food and clothing to their teachers. This Paul says, that he refused, because it might occasion scandal among the Gentiles. They ministered to the Lord of their substance, that he might reap their carnal things, of whom they reaped spiritual things. Not that the Lord needed food of the creature, but that he might set an example for the teacher, that he should be content to receive food and clothing from his disciples. But let us see what sort of attendance he had, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. Origin. In Mark the third is called Salome. Chrysostom. These women thus watching the things that are done are the most compassionate, the most sorrowful. They had followed him ministering, and remained by him in danger, showing the highest courage, for when the disciples fled, they remained. Jerome. See, says Helvidius, Jacob and Joseph are the sons of Mary, the Lord's mother, whom the Jews call the brethren of Christ. He is also called James the Last, to distinguish him from James the Greater, who was the son of Zebedee. And he urges that it were impious to suppose that his mother Mary would be absent when the other women were there, or that we should have to invent some other third unknown person of the name of Mary. And that too, when John's Gospel witnesses that his mother was present. O blind folly, O mind perverted to its own destruction, hear what the evangelist John says. There stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. No one can doubt that there were two apostles called James, the son of Zebedee and the son of Alphaeus. This unknown James the less, whom scripture mentions as the son of Mary, if he is an apostle, is the son of Alphaeus. If he is not an apostle, but a third unknown James, how can he be supposed to be the Lord's brother? And why should he be styled the less, to distinguish him from the greater? For the greater and the less are epithets, which distinguish two persons, but not three. And that the James, the Lord's brother, was an apostle, is proved by Paul. Other of the apostles sigh I none, save James, the Lord's brother. But that you should not suppose this James to be the son of Zebedee, read the Acts, where he was put to death by Herod. The conclusion then remains that this Mary, who is described as the mother of James the less, was wife of Alphaeus, and sister of Mary, the Lord's mother, called by John, Mary, the wife of Cleophas. But should you incline to think them two different persons, because in one place, she is called Mary the mother of James the less, and in another place Mary the wife of Cleophas. You will learn the scripture custom of calling the same men by different names, as Ragul, Moses' father-in-law, is called Jethro. In like manner, then, Mary the wife of Cleophas is called the wife of Alphaeus, and the mother of James the less. For if she had been the Lord's mother, the evangelist would here, as in all the other places, have called her so, and not described her as mother of James when he meant to designate the mother of the Lord. 
but even if Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, were different persons, it is still certain that Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, was not the Lord's mother. Augustine, we might have supposed that some of the women stood afar off, as three evangelists say, and others near the cross, as John says, had not Matthew and Mark reckoned Mary Magdalene among those that stood afar off, while John puts her among those that stood near. This is reconciled if we understand the distance at which they were to be such that they might be said to be near, because they were in sight, but far off in comparison of the crowd who stood near with the centurion and soldiers. We might also suppose that they who were there together with the Lord's mother began to depart after he had commanded her to the disciple, that they might extricate themselves from the crowd, and looked on from a distance at the other things which were done, so that the evangelists who speak of them after the Lord's death speak of them as standing afar off. Verses 57 through 61. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea, named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Gloss, when the evangelist had finished the order of the Lord's passion and death, he treats of his burial, Rigmigius. Arimathea is the same as Ramatha, the city of Halcanah, in Samuel, which is situated in the Chananitic country near Diospolis. This Joseph was a man of great dignity in respect of worldly station, but has the praise of much higher merit in God's sight, seeing he is described as righteous. Indeed, he that should have the burial of the Lord's body ought to have been such, that he might be deserving of that office by righteous merit. Jerome. He is described as rich, not out of any ambition on the part of the writer to represent so noble and rich a man as Jesus' disciple, but to show how he was able to obtain the body of Jesus from Pilate. For poor and unknown individuals would not have dared to approach Pilate, the representative of Roman power, and asked the body of a crucified malefactor. In another gospel, this Joseph is called a counselor, and it is supposed that the first psalm has reference to him. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Chrysostom, consider this man's courage. He risked his life and took upon him many enmities in order to render this service, and not only dares to ask for Christ's body, but also to bury it. Jerome, by the simple barrier of the Lord, is condemned the ostentation of the rich, who cannot dispense with lavish expense even in their tombs. But we may also consider in a spiritual sense that the Lord's body was wrapped not in gold, jewels, or silk, but in clean linen, and that he who wrapped it is he who embraces Jesus with a pure heart, Rigmigius, or otherwise the linen is grown out of the ground and is bleached to whiteness with great labor, and thus this signifies that his body, which was taken of the earth, that is, of a virgin, through the toil of passion came to the whiteness of immortality. 
Rabanus. From this also has prevailed in the church the custom of celebrating the sacrifice of the altar, not in silk or in colored robes, but in linen grown from the earth, as we read, was ordered by the holy Pope Sylvester. Pseudo-Augustine. The Savior was laid in a tomb belonging to another man, because he died for the salvation of others. For why should he who in himself had no death have been laid in his own tomb? Or he whose place was reserved for him in heaven have had a monument upon earth? He who remained but three days' space in the tomb, not as dead, but as resting on his bed. A tomb is the necessary abode of death. Christ, then, who is our life, could not have an abode of death. He that ever liveth had no need of the dwelling of the departed. Jerome. He is laid in a new tomb, lest, after his resurrection, it should be pretended that it was some other who had risen when they saw the other bodies there remaining. The new tomb may also signify the virgin womb of Mary, that he was laid in a tomb hewn out of the rock, lest had it been one raised of many stones. It might have been said that he was stolen away by the undermining the foundations of the pile. Pseudo-Augustine, had the tomb been in the earth, it might have been said that they undermined the place and so carried him off. Had a small stone been laid thereon, they might have said they carried him off while we slept. Jerome, that a great stone was rolled there, shows that the tomb could not have been reopened without the united strength of many. Hilary, mystically Joseph affords a figure of the apostles. He wraps the body in a clean linen cloth, in which same linen sheets were let down to Peter, out of heaven, all manner of living creatures. Whence we understand that under the representation of this linen cloth, the church is buried together with Christ. The Lord's body, moreover, is laid in a chamber hewn out of rock, empty and new, that is, by the teaching of the apostles. Christ is conveyed into the hard breast of the Gentiles, hewn out by the toil of teaching, rude and new, hitherto unpenetrated by any fear of God, and for that besides him ought nothing to enter our breasts. A stone is rolled to the mouth, that as before him we hadn't received no author of divine knowledge, so after him we should admit none. Origin. This is no casual mention of the circumstances that the body was wrapped in clean linen and laid in a new tomb, and a great stone rolled to the mouth but that everything touching the body of Jesus is clean and new and very great. Rigmigius, when the Lord's body was buried and the rest returned to their own places, the women alone, who had loved him more attachedly, adhered to him, and with anxious care noted the place where the Lord's body was laid, that at fit time they might perform the service of their devotion to him. Origen, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, is not mentioned as having sat over against the sepulchre, and perhaps she was able to endure as far as the cross only. But these, as stronger in love, were not absent even from the things that were afterwards done. Jerome. Or, when the rest left the Lord, the women continued in their attendance, looking for what Jesus had promised, and therefore they deserved to be the first to see the resurrection, because he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Rigmigius, and to this day the holy women, that is, the lowly souls of the saints, do the like in this present world. And with pious acidity, 
Wait while Christ's passion is being completed. Verses 62 through 66. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remembered that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Jerome, it was not enough for the chief priests to have crucified the Lord, the Savior, if they did not guard the sepulchre, and do their utmost to lay hands on him as he rose from the dead. Rabanus, by the perceive is meant preparation, and they give this name to the sixth day of the week, on which they made ready the things needed for the Sabbath, as was commanded respecting the manna. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much, because on the sixth day man was made, and on the seventh God rested. Therefore, on the sixth day, Jesus died for man, and rested the Sabbath day in the tomb. The chief priests, although in putting the Lord to death, they had committed a heinous crime, yet were they not satisfied, unless even after his death they carried on the venom of their malice once begun, traducing his character and calling one whom they knew to be guileless a deceiver. But as Caiaphas prophesied without knowing it, that it is expedient that one man should die for the people, so now Christ was a deceiver, not from truth into error, but leading men from error to truth, from vices to virtue, from death to life. Rigmigius. They say that he had declared, after three days I will rise again, in consequence of that he said above, as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, etc. But let us see in what way they can be said to have risen again after three days. Some would have the three hours of darkness understood as one night, and the light succeeding the darkness as a day. But these do not know the force of figurative language. The sixth day of the week on which he suffered comprehended the foregoing night. Then follows the night of the Sabbath with its own day, and the night of the Lord's day includes also its own day. And hence it is true that he rose again after three days. Augustine, he rose again after three days to signify the consent of the whole trinity in the passion of the Son. The three days' space is read figuratively, because the trinity which in the beginning made man, the same in the end restores man by the passion of Christ. Rabanus, command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day. For Christ's disciples were spiritually thieves, stealing from the unthankful Jews the writings of the New and Old Testament, they bestowed them to be used by the church. And while they slept, that is, while the Jews were sunk in the lethargy of unbelief, they carried off the promised Savior and gave him to be believed on by the Gentiles. Hilary, their fear lest the body should be stolen, the setting of a watch on the tomb and stealing it, are marks of folly and unbelief, that they should have sought to seal up the tomb of one at whose bidding they had seen a dead man raised from the tomb. Rabanus, when they say, 
and the last error will be worse than the first they utter a truth unwittingly for their contempt of penitence was worse for the jews than was their error of ignorance chrysostom observe how against their will they concert to demonstrate the truth for by their precautions irrefragable demonstration of the resurrection was attained the sepulchre was watched and so no fraud could have been practiced and if there was no collusion it is certain that the lord rose again rabanus pilate's answer to their request is as much as to say be it enough for you that ye have conspired the death of an innocent man henceforth let your error remain with you chrysostom pilate will not suffer that the soldiers alone should steal but as though he had learnt the truth concerning christ he was no longer willing to be partner in their acts and says seal it as ye will yourselves that ye may not be able to accuse others for had the soldiers alone sealed they might have said that the soldiers had suffered the disciples to steal the body and so given the disciples a handle to forge a tale concerning the resurrection but this they could not say now when they themselves had sealed the sepulchre end of chapter twenty seven